Nothing is more gay than this. Everyone's so gay. Everyone's so hot. There is absolutely something for everyone. Yep, that's a queer vibe. <laughs> she is gay. <laughs> Incredible. I'm like, this does not feel heterosexual at no. all. <laughs> this is a gay movie. Hi, everyone. Before we get into the episode, I need to tell you two things really quick. So the first is about spoilers. Um, As you probably noticed in the title of the episode, this is largely spoiler-free for the rest of the Strange New Worlds series. So if you watched the musical and were like, wow, I want to watch this show, we keep it pretty much contained to this episode, with one glaring exception, and that is the community profiles section. So... If you don't want to be spoiled for the rest of the series, when you hear me say hello and welcome to Community Profiles, go ahead and skip forward about 12 minutes and you will be, again, mostly spoiler free. I don't think anything we talk about in the rest of the episode will like affect your brand new viewing experience. The second thing is that if you are in the Portland area, I am going to be at the Portland Welcome Market on December 16th. It is at Lloyd Center. Um, I'm going to be selling my tarot decks and stickers and pins and um, like cards and stuff. It's going to be pretty neat. And you should totally stop by and tell me that you listen to the podcast. I'll uh, give you a high five and a free sticker. It'll be really cute. Yeah. So again, that's December 16th. I'll put a link to the the market Instagram account in the show notes so that you can check that out and maybe I'll see you there. Um, actually, so I said two things, but actually three things, because I also want to let you know that our next episode is going to be about the Barbie movie. Um, we have heard from so many of you since this movie came out asking us to talk about it and since it is now available to rent and we can take notes without having to i don't know sit in a movie theater with a headlamp i like that i said that like we would be taking notes on paper as opposed to like having our phone brightness on equally rude anyway um so yeah two weeks from now we are going to be talking about the barbie movie you're welcome and now let's get into the episode Hello and welcome to, I forgot what podcast this is. Gaily Planet. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Gaily Planet, a podcast where two queer nerds talk about media we love. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Season 2, Episode 9, Subspace Rhapsody, a.k.a. The first, weirdly the first, Star Trek musical episode across all of the Star Treks. (laughs) It's the best of days. The strike is over. We can finally talk about this episode. Yay! I'm glad that all of our, uh, all of the hardworking actors in Hollywood are getting their, what they deserve, and hopefully a giant middle finger to AI and trying to replace real actors with computers. So, fuck you, rich people. Exactly. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Um, So, those of you who follow us on Instagram have been, like, anxiously waiting for this moment, (laughs) along with 
me forever because we've just been like waiting for the strike to be over those of you who don't follow us on instagram didn't know that you were anxiously waiting for this moment but um turns out you were because finally i get to talk about this and also finally i convinced jesse to watch this i've i've watched this episode you guys well one go ahead <laughs> jesse <laughs> Oh, I was like, whatever number you were about to say, I'm like, that's the correct number of times to watch this episode. Yeah, no, for real. Um, I mean, I've been watching just like all 20 episodes of the show that exist. I, I would say it takes me like three days to cycle through all 20 episodes. And I have been doing that nonstop since season two, like the season two finale came out. So like a couple months now. Um, and I've watched the musical more frequently than that. So a lot. That's a lot of times. This is a big deal. And speaking of my obsessive Star Trek watching, let's talk to you about our big Patreon push that we're doing before we get into everything. Uh, Yeah, we are doing a Patreon push because... Sorry, I'm just trying to figure out a clever way to say this. A lot of our fans and patrons left once we stopped talking about Scoundrel JKR's series. And we're trying to um, get some of that income back to Lark so that he can live in his city comfortably and survive in this capitalist hellscape. And because we do not have any ads, any corporate sponsorship, uh, we are supported by listeners like you. So if you are like, wow, I really, you know, this hashtag with this production brings a light to my life or is helping you on your uh, journey with your gender or sexuality, um, consider joining our page, our Patreon starts at $3 a month. And because we are, because we are punks who hate capitalism, um, you can unlock all of our tiers at any price range that you um, join our Patreon. Heck yeah. Um, and this is the perfect time if you don't have the means to join our Patreon, but are asking for Christmas presents, Hanukkah presents, Kwanzaa presents, and know someone who does have the means to gift you our Patreon. They can You can sign up for a year all at once, so it's just like a, a one-time charge. Yeah. And you, of course, are also welcome to join our sticker club. We send out original stickers designed by Lark primarily and Theo and with occasional input from myself. <laughs> uh, we also have very good input though. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have t-shirts, hoodies, pillows, mugs available in our shop. And gift cards. If you don't know which thing you want, but you know <laughs> that you want something. Uh, and if you're like, I am truly broke and cannot afford this, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That really helps people, more people listen to us. And especially now that we're not getting that cursed HP traffic, uh, it really helps people to know what this podcast is about and to know how awesome we are. Heck yeah. Actually, all of you should go leave us a written or a review, even if you are going to join our Patreon, because um, if for no other reason, it just like makes me and Jesse really happy to like read the nice things that you say. <laughs> so. Yeah, without the pressure of having to respond to an email, which we have been very bad about recently and will so probably bad. continue to be bad at. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> uh, your hosts are neurodivergent and the world is terrible. So, <laughs> Yep. At least we have an autoresponder being like, 
we read this and we liked it and it might take us a long time to respond to you. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, check the show notes for, for everything. And thank you for supporting us. Um, I did also want to add, like we do this thing when you leave us a donation, it's like, Hey, we want to thank you on the air. Which show do you want? And We can't do that on Patreon, but like, I really do want to thank our patrons on the air. It's just weird because we have four podcasts and I don't know which one has driven you to join. So I'm going to put a thing in our welcome email that you get when you join our Patreon, but I'll also say it here. When you join our Patreon, if you want us to thank you on the air, which we would love to do, just shoot us a message and be like, hey, I just joined. I came from fill in the blank podcast. And then we'll thank you on the next episode we record of that podcast. Yeah. And if you have been a patron, we have some very, we have some longtime patrons. Message us because truly y'all are the foundation, the, the wind beneath our wings is our patrons because it's lit- it literally keeps the lights on <laughs> metaphorically <Yeah>. and literally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we could, we could not be doing this without you. So thank you all so much. And right. Yeah. If you're like, I've been supporting you for five years, four, four years is the most number of years anyone could be doing it. Um <laughs> And I've never heard my name on the air, and I would like to. Send us a message. I would love to thank you on the air. Just tell me which podcast to do it on. Um, Okay. Oh, so, and our goal is to make $1,000 a month more on Patreon than we currently are. $3,500 a month. That's where we were before we stopped talking about Harry Potter. We're just trying to get back there. When we reach that goal, we are going to launch Lark Trek, which is where twice a month I will watch an episode of Star Trek and write about the things that I think about when I watch it. It's not going to be as in-depth as an episode, obviously, but it will be cute and fun. Probably my plan right now is that I'll do one a month about Strange New Worlds because it's my current hyperfixation, and then one a month based on comments and suggestions that you all leave of episodes you want me to talk about. The first one of this, which will just be about like my relationship with the Star Trek franchises generally will go up to the public the day that this episode drops so that you can have a taste of what it is and be like, ooh, what episodes of Deep Space Nine, which Lark has never watched, do I really want him to watch? So he'll start watching it, for instance. <laughs> uh, and hopefully, life stuff permitting, I will maybe occasionally hop in to be like, oh, I particularly love this episode of Star Trek. So let me have my let me vomit my feelings about it. <laughs> Yes, I would love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. So join. Again, everything's in the show notes. And yeah, now I'm going to tell you about the episode we're watching today, 25 minutes into this recording. Okay, so in Subspace Rhapsody, the crew of the USS Enterprise comes upon an unusual phenomenon, a naturally occurring subspace fold, which has the potential to triple the speed of subspace communications in the sector. Spock and Uhura are doing experiments to try to make that happen, including sending a song through the fold. Something about harmonics and frequencies, don't worry about it too much, (laughs) causes the fold to create a quantum improbability field, which traps them all inside a musical reality. Meaning, they suddenly find themselves living by the laws of musicals. Whenever their emotions become too overwhelming, they burst into song. Not only that, but the field has expanded to consume all of Starfleet and half of the Klingon Empire. Now the Klingons are upset, and they plan to blow up the fold, which we know will result in a catastrophic explosion wiping out all of the affected areas. Oh no! So while the crew (laughs) sings their hearts out, they also have to figure out how to save the day. 
Lucky for everyone, Uhura is here, and she finds them the pattern they've been missing all along. Teamwork. The whole crew needs to sing a grand finale together in order to something improbability, something giga electron, something or other, and shatter the field. Which they do, and the Klingons even hop on FaceTime to join in. The day is saved, relationships are being mended, and not even one person has to deal with the fallout of having ripped their BFF out of heaven. The end. (laughs) (laughs) And today's headline, Star Trek New Worlds puts the opera back in space opera. Yay! (laughs) So good. All right, we are going to start things off with the front page, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, Okay, so first off, all right, first off, everyone, this is my first time watching any episodes of Strange New Worlds. So this is my first one ever. And so when I, <laughs> like, only texted me the episode numbers. So, of course, when I got off, when I went to go watch it and saw that it was called fucking Subspace Rhapsody, <laughs> I already was losing. I was already like, are you fucking kidding me? This is incredible. Um, as an obvious nod, of course, to Bohemian Rhapsody. Which we get. The moment in the grand finale when we have Laon, Spock, and... Pelia in the Bohemian Rhapsody music video formation singing their part like I thought that looked familiar okay I was like yes. why does it look so familiar yes because it's the Bohemian Rhapsody music video it's incredible uh I also feel like side note if you ever want to feel the most connected to people during karaoke put on Bohemian Rhapsody because I guarantee you no matter <laughs> What group of people you're with, half to everyone is going to know all the words of Bohemian Rhapsody, and it's gonna, and you're going to feel like your heart has expanded 20 times. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, this show has such a great sense of humor. I'm really glad that you're watching it, because I do feel like, like a lot of the reviews are like, Star Trek is back, kind of, is the general vibe of this, because I feel like... There's been a lot of, like, more serious and more serial stuff, not, like, you know, episode by episode. And this show is, like, really embracing the fact that it's, like, there's not a season arc. We're just doing one episode at a time and is very intentional about being, like, fun one, scary one, fun one, scary one, basically. Not scary, but, like, intense. Yeah. In a way that's just really... It's really nice. Like, this is between two deeply upsetting episodes, and it doesn't feel weird for that to be true. (laughs) Which also feels very relevant to the sort of one of the clear inspirations of this episode, which is Once More With Feeling, the Buffy musical episode, which is also in between two pretty intense episodes in an already intense season, and is like a fun episode about very intense feelings that are happening to all of the characters. Yeah, totally. So, which we'll talk about more because there are so many shout outs to what's worth feeling. It oh, yeah. Me. No, that's actually my first point, okay. if that's okay. Yeah. Because I obviously, like, I read a lot of stuff about, um, well, I read a limited amount of things about it. Like, they could only publish uh, conversations that were, that happened before the strike. So, like, nothing that happened after it came out. Like, no one could be interviewed. But I read what was available. And basically everyone involved was like, the really scary thing about what we're doing is that everyone's going to be comparing us to the Buffy musical. Like this is the pinnacle. Like it doesn't matter how many shows have done musical episodes since then. 
this is the one that we're going to be compared to. And the fact that they were like, let's just put the fact that we know that right (laughs) in the episode, right up top. Like, we have our roundtable discussion, and one of the things that I said is like, or maybe we'll all just get turned into bunnies. I I I have <laughs> I have I have like a section that's just like I started keeping track of all the what's more feeling references. I just have bunnies in all caps because I'm just yeah. like, are you? I had to rewind. I'm like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. This is just like it's like it's in conversation with the Buffy musical episode. It is also just it is like the excellent hat tip to that. In a way that's just like, mm, this is a perfect spiritual successor to Once More With Feeling. Yeah, I would love to, do you want to go through your list? Because I would love to talk about it. I do. Okay, so uh, first thing, actually before Bunnies, is the like, why the fuck are we singing moment? <laughs> Where everyone's like, the f- what is happening? What, what is this music coming from? Why are we all singing? Which I love. Just mm-hmm. the meta-ness of that. Or it's like, oh, we're in a musical, oh no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think sort of the obvious thing that I've already touched about is that, like, everyone is like, whoops, we're all singing uh, feelings that we really didn't want to tell anyone about, uh, which is literally the thesis of Once More With Feeling, is everyone yeah. having to expose these feelings and kind of, and it really just sort of highlights uh, the relationships that, the sort of relationship tensions and struggles that everyone are going through both in the Buffy musical and like here in a way where it's just like oh ooh, oh sorry yikes <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, sorry sorry that you just spilled all your feelings about your relationship to the whole crew on the bridge oh my god my note about that is just that like I <laughs> I think that they should have, they should have found a way to give Ortegas some popcorn. Like the look on her face in the background when Pike and his girlfriend are singing to each other about like lying about their vacation plans. She's like. <laughs> right. And in the new season of Heartstopper, there's a public fight at a restaurant, but there is a character literally in the background, like doing the popcorn eating meme. So I was like, you could have, you could have, you cowards, give her some popcorn. <laughs> It would have been funny if you could just see the, like, uh, when they do the, oh my god, what is the it called? The replicator? Uh, not the replicator, when they, like, beam things up and down, just, like, if someone just, like... Transporter. Like, just transported a, like, comical, like, <laughs> yeah. like emoji-style container of popcorn, like, into her hand for her thing. That would have been so good. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So throughout this show, just sort of generally, but especially in the, like funny episodes the actor who plays pike he just he's like so good at sort of he has a he has big like oh i did not mean to make that face out loud energy (laughs) and so he's constantly just stealing scenes from the background because he's so good at reacting (laughs) i feel like there's a lot of really good background work happening in this episode i love every time i like red shirt or unnamed character is in the background looking confused or yeah. is like oh now this is happening <laughs> <And> just every <laughs> time oh it's uh, so good yeah and so 
I just, I love that when the first song reaches the bridge, right? Because it's kind of like cascading through the ship um, and Ortega starts singing. Pike literally jumps up out of his chair and goes and hides behind it, which is like, what? Um, you know, which, and like, go ahead. They teach you a lot of things at uh, Starfleet. Pro- breaking out into song, definitely not one of those. Things. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, wait, is that? Did you have anything else? Yeah, to say? that's it. Go ahead. Um, okay, so uh, also another thing, if folks don't know, uh, Strange New Worlds is essentially a prequel to OG Star, the Star Trek show from the sixties. So the theme song is pretty similar. Here, this like acapella little bit it's like and like i got like body chills i'm not i'm not even necessarily a huge fan of the original series but i am a sci-fi nerd so of course i know shit about star trek and i still got chills listening to the theme of like like full body chills i'm just like oh my god this is so good (laughs) yeah it's really lovely i've always always I, i guess it's true always since this episode came out i'm a little bit bummed that they didn't go harder on the intro redo for like making it you know like the Buffy musical episode has like a full like completely new intro that's like old Hollywood musical style I wish they had gone a little harder but also like two episodes previous to this there's like a crossover with Lower Decks the cartoon episode for which they like turned the intro into a cartoon oh my for god that. and so I was like fair like probably the right way to spend your budget but also like i kind of wish you had done it a little bigger (laughs) so that's fair i think that one of the things that makes this show really really fun that i never really thought about before is that when you don't have a holodeck to create like half of the problems you have to like get really creative to think of what is going to be going wrong on the ship and so just like the shenanigans are much bigger because like I, I did I never really realized how much of the like drama of Star Trek is holodeck based. <laughs> They're like, we don't have those yet. So gotta meet a lot more sentient nebulas, I guess, you know? Yeah, I feel like that is part of the fun of having a Star Trek that takes place at an earlier point of like Star Trek canon where it's like not all the tech has been figured out as it has in like the next generation or even like Voyager. So you can have Right, you can sort of have more wackier hijinks because it's like, I mean, as we all know, technology fails all the fucking time, especially if you're developing some incredibly complex Star Trek level shit. Yeah. <laughs> and like, they're still exploring the like Alpha Quadrant and like having an all out war with Klingons. That's like, yeah. yeah. This isn't even a like quadrant at some sort of, if not peace, a uh, sort of ceasefire sort of thing, you know? Well, they are very shortly out of the Klingon war. Okay. Uh, it's like, I mean, who knows how time works, but like a few a few years post Klingon War, past mm-hmm. um, Discovery season one. All right. Uh, so I have to say the dude the dude that they cast to play Baby Kirk, uh, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, you're fine. You're like square jaw looking white dude. I mean, they're a lot of them pretty indistinguishable. There's a scene when he's talking to Laon. Where he sort of like tilts his head and like raises his eyebrows where I'm like, oh, I see it. I see the like baby <laughs> young William Shatner that you're like going for. And I'm like, wow. And it's like halfway into the episode when it happens. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, now I see it. Good job. I see what you did there. <laughs> cool. Um, okay. So 
one of my favorite things in this episode is when La'an has just, you know, witnessed um, Una and Kirk having their little song and is like, can feel a song coming on. And it's almost as if she's like drunk and like trying to make it to her quarters before she pukes all over the hallway. She is like rushing, but like not wanting to draw attention to herself to just like, just make it home before she starts singing. And it's so good. Yeah, she's speed walking at a clip in order to be in the privacy of her room to have her song. Yeah. Welcome to Theater Reviews, which is where we put all of our musical-specific conversation because it made more sense. Jesse, would you like to start? Uh, yes, I had to look this up because I was like, man, everyone's doing a great job. Her is played by a literal Broadway star. They have a Tony nomination, which I'm like, you should have won. You, that, you were robbed of that. And they kill it. Like, they... They they won a Grammy. I want them to have an EGOT. I'm like, put... Give them an Oscar. I don't care if it's not a movie. Give them a Tony retroactively. Just all of the awards. Yeah. They're they're incredible. I just... So, yes. They they murder their, their song numbers, which is why Uhura gets sort of the best song numbers in this episode. But also, yeah. La'an, also a musician, was a musician before she was an actress. And I mm-hmm. think also was... I think... I can't remember if the person who plays number one also has musical background. I don't think I saw There was that someone else. There's there like three people who had like very strong musical backgrounds. Full of uh, completely talented folks this episode, yeah. which is, I mean, good job. Perfect way to have a, <laughs> I mean, a great way to have a musical episode is to have at least a few folks that have very strong musical chops. Yeah. Yeah. What's, I think it's like really funny when, showrunners are like we just realized everyone could sing and i'm like actors start out acting in high school where they only put on musicals like of course your whole cast can sing like right <laughs> that's that's how it works but having right like in the same way that like tara or amber benson and uh tony had carry the buffy musical because they're like singers capital s um for sure, uh, yeah. Celia Rose Gooding, and I don't remember Laon's actor's name. Oh, it's Jess Bush is the other one that you're thinking of who has a singing career, Nurse Chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Okay, so I just want to say, I I think that the writing of these songs is incredible. The chorus of the first song is so fun, and I just like want to give huge kudos to whoever was like, we have to have Spock start so that Spock makes the chorus, because like... It's just so silly. It's so silly, but it's not because he's a Vulcan and that's how he talks. But like anyone else making the chorus be the most confounding thing I appear to be singing. You're like, this is this is too silly, but it's not. It's great. I know it wor- It like works and it is so on point. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you want to do this chronologically or like jump around, but I actually I do have to say that I also really appreciate his number I'm the ex for being not only incredibly deeply nerdy, but like so in character as a song, you'd be like, yes, I would, I could definitely see a Vulcan singing this song. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. it's math. It's just math puns. I mean, math, 
metaphors. In it a is song. a pun. It's a pun. Yeah. That's what a pun is. They yes. don't have to be funny. <laughs> right. So yeah, math puns. I'm like, this is exactly what I would like, what I want from a Vulcan. And this, it just, it fits so well. And it's also so clever. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so good. It's really great. Yeah. Um, more, more math pun based emo music. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is what I imagine Star Trek fans would have written. And because it's been on for so long, this is what makes, I don't know. It just, it just is very satisfying how correct <laughs> this feels. Yeah, totally, totally. You can definitely feel that the people that they brought in to write the songs are like Star Trek fans, like capital F fans. Mm-hmm. Or else they did like a, a serious deep dive <laughs> into the history of the show and like watched everything before taking the job. But I suspect that they were fans. I, I it feels more realistic that they were just fans who could also yeah. write music very well. It's the people. It's the letters to Cleo people, which I only know other than this from Ten Things I Hate About You. But they are a real band. But they also apparently do a lot of like TV show song stuff. So. I guess I was just say it would make sense to me if you're if you write a lot of songs for Hollywood, you would it would behoove you to have at least a passing knowledge of some of the bigger cultural influences of television. And like Star Trek is one of the biggest sci fi slash like modern cultural artifact of like the past 124 years. So it makes yeah, sense totally. to me. Agreed. Um, oh, so a thing that I think is really fun that like you and any of the listeners who just watched this episode and haven't watched the show is that we have Una basically functioning as like exposition song lady. Like she's not really doing any of her own emotional work. She's like helping other people. And it is established in the canon previous to this episode that she's a huge Gilbert and Sullivan musical fan. <laughs> so like it is perfect like that she's like i think other than uhura the most stoked to be living in a musical and so she's like yeah i'll do whatever you know like her vibe with the subspace fold quantum reality is like yeah give it to me i'm i want this i'm ready give me my moment and so it's like okay you don't need to you don't need to have the feelings someone else can have the feelings you can sing about those and it's great yeah and i mean i think considering she has the most i'm trying to figure out how to say this like her number with Kirk, where it's like clever back and forth is very, it feels very classic Hollywood musical movie number, like not in the Disney way, but in the like, you have two leads who are like talking really fast and like having this like verbal spar via song. Mm-hmm. And I love that for her. Yeah. And then in her song with, La'an, uh, turning off the artificial gravity for the drama? Are you shitting me? <laughs> I know. It's so good. It's like, before she even starts singing, she's like, oh, I can, I can tell I'm about to sing a song. Let me go get my remote control so I can turn off the gravity at the pivotal moment. <laughs> that is, that is commitment to, that is commitment to the musical, and I am just like, you don't know it, but you were waiting your entire life for this. Moment. I think she does know it, you know? Like, yeah. I I think she does. I think she's been, like, <laughs> dreaming of this moment. Oh, it's incredible. It's so good. I do think that was one of the things 
that I had in sort of the context of, I think the one thing that's lacking from this musical is good choreography. I think in general, because they don't, they didn't, and they couldn't give themselves the the freedom, the flexibility that the Buffy musical has to like bend time and space during a song. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone has to be in the same place at the same time. So you can't have like, you know, Willow and Tara like twirling from the park to their bed in the midst of one song, right? Yeah. And they're and they're pretty limited to being on the Enterprise. So right. Yeah. So it's like there's a there's a decent amount of like very awkward sort of just like standing singing at someone and like not having anything to do with your body, which Uhura does a great job with because Broadway actor. Yeah. That actor is like knows how to just like use their body and their face to be like doing a thing, even sans choreography. But I kind of feel like other than that and the finale, the artificial grav turnoff thing is the closest thing we have to any sort of like meaningful choreography. They, they do try in I'm ready when, uh, what's Oh no, you're right. That song has a good one. Which is, that song is so much fun. It is also very old, uh, Hollywood musical slash contemporarily the like Madonna music video for material girl like dance number <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which it's so good yeah but also deeply brutal <laughs> like so many songs in a musical <laughs> this is a catchy upbeat song about how she's like uh peace out Spock I'm about to go live my best <laughs> hot girl summer like in this cool internship Sorry, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just like, I already know this is crushing. I like always this episode, I'm like, wow, that is real cold. <laughs> oh my God. Next time you watch this episode, though, when that song comes on, you, Jesse, and also you, the listener, um, just every time Sam Kirk is in the background, just watch him because that actor is having the time of his fucking life. Like every time he's there, he's just like laughing and smiling with his entire body. Sorry. Is he the dude with the mustache? Yeah. Okay. Um, It's just so cute. It's like so joyful watching him have fun. Like, I don't know. I feel like anytime you get to like watch actors have fun doing what they're doing, you're like, Oh, I'm so happy. Uh, yeah, I I love movies like that where I can just like, you know what? I'm only watching this because The Rock is having a great time doing it. And I'm here for that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, for example, so many of his mm-hmm. movies. All right. I want to switch gears a little bit because, okay. I mean, speaking of emotionally brutal, because this is a lot of airing of feelings in relation to people's relationship. Like, I mean... Private conversations is already very brutal <laughs> to the point where it's like in show. We're like, no, we're cutting this. We're shutting this shit down because <laughs> this is not where you want to have your couples fight via song in front of all of your uh, boyfriend's coworkers. Seriously, oh my god, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, it's it is really funny, but I'm like, oof. <laughs> I feel for everyone, even if I don't know you particularly what's going on i'm like oh i'm sorry about that yeah um i think we've covered all of my stuff so i have a i have, I have a couple more things 
which I'll probably get to this also later in this episode, but um, keep us connected or hers big number i was literally crying i was not expecting to go into this musical episode like i was gonna start crying but i definitely did yeah (laughs) and then i kept crying on and off through the next song and i'm just like the healing power of music so yeah it's just i wasn't expecting that um and i am really impressed by this oh i love that i don't think i've ever have i cried through a musical maybe like a live musical i guess but like sitting in my house watching it, I'm like, no. So what about it do you think it was that got you? I mean, so obviously the performance is just it's just it's top notch. It's just so powerful. But like also just the lyrics of like Ahura being like, I'm alone and my whole life has just been like fix this and save you. And I'm like, oh wow, I didn't need to feel called out like this. And maybe part of it is that I also had therapy two hours earlier talking about like my own like, you know, just like trauma, but I'm like was not ready for this. Yeah. That's <laughs> and I'm fair. like, oh my god, I just want to give you a hug. I hope you have friends for her. Oh my god. They do. They've been on a healing journey. <gasps> I'm so glad. Yeah. And then the last thing, obviously, that has to be mentioned is the five seconds of when the Klingons come in and they're angry and they have, it's like auto-tune and there's backflips in the background. And I'm like, I did not know that I needed this, but I would also watch a whole episode that's just the Klingon side of this episode where all of a sudden they're all breaking out into song and it just sounds like contemporary dance music. Oh my God. Welcome to Community Profiles, where Jesse acts as audience proxy and asks me clarifying questions about what's going on with these characters. Yeah, so I think I want to start off first that uh, I feel a lot of feelings about La'an. She's clearly going through it. And so like they're like previously on a sort of like wacky time tragic hijinks with an alternative universe, uh, James T. Kirk. And I'm like, oof. Yeah, yikes. Sorry about that. That seems real off. But yeah. it also seems like there's some other other shit going on with her that I like just don't have enough context for. Besides like tragic time doomed romance. Yes, she is extremely fucked up. She <laughs> A is the descendant of Khan Noonien Singh, the eugenics war starting big bad from the original series. Yep. Okay. And that time travel fiasco, she was, like, sent back in time to save Baby Khan from being killed by a Romulan. Because if she managed to kill him, everything was going to go be, be bad. Um, so, like, she's dealing with that right now. But also, when she was a child, her colony ship was attacked and taken to a Gorn breeding planet, and she's the only one from the entire colony ship that survived. Holy fuck. So she's deeply fucked up. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, generational personal trauma to deal with. Uh, yeah, those are some dark secrets there. Which also explains why she knew alternate universe James Kirk for, like, one day and is like, I've never loved anyone this much in my entire life. I'm like, girl, get over it. Yeah. Oh, no, it's for one day. Oh. Together for, like, maybe two. 
there was one sleep. So yeah, what like one and a half days. They kissed one time, and she's like, "I'm never gonna get over this." Like, yeah, that definitely that that definitely screams. I have not had enough positive attention in my life. So the first time anyone shows me any sort of romantic overture, I'm like, "This is clearly love," and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Ooh, I'm sorry, girl." Yeah, that's yeah. Rough. <laughs> it's really rough. <laughs> yeah, uh, but. Honestly, probably dodged a bullet by not getting involved with a uh, fast track to Captain James Kirk. I think they're going to get together. I feel like, and maybe this is because of like cultural osmosis about Kirk being sort of a like playboy kind of dude. I don't think it's going to work out, but I think that we are on a trajectory to them dating because like in TOS canon, he never meets that kid that his current girlfriend is prego with. So... They're clearly not going anywhere. Him and Carol. Um, so. Imagine you're like in a Star Trek universe and your name is just Carol. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think they're doing this for no reason. I think that they're gearing us towards a doomed, absolutely doomed. I think, but it's going to be. Here's my theory for anyone who cares: is that we're going to have a like reverse manic pixie dream girl situation where laan is the one that needs to be taught how to like lighten up and have fun and kirk is the one that's basically being used to like further this woman's emotional growth and then he'll just sort of like fuck off so i'm kind of here for that yeah i would put i think i would put money on that also being the dynamic and then she's gonna be like you know what i am worth like 12 i'm worth so much more than fucking around with you uh, Kirk, I'm gonna go be badass literally anywhere else. Okay, yeah, bye. Exactly. <laughs> and I look and I uh, look forward to her doing that. It's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. I also feel bad for Spock here, a young Spock in a clearly also doomed love affair with uh, baby medbay doctor. I'm not sure her. I don't remember her name. I'm sorry. Nurse Chapel. Nurse Chapel. Chapel. So, who was clearly like, this was just a party. I'm ready to move on to the next party. Like, wow. So, not totally. They're in a fight at the time of this episode because she spent the entire last episode being like war trauma triggered and he was like not doing a good job of being like giving her space. So, they're fighting right now. Um, I am so torn about my feelings about Spock in this episode because. Here's here are my things. A, okay. literally everyone in Star Trek in Starfleet, if they're not on the same ship, are in long distance relationships. I guarantee you that he and Tapring, his f- former and future fiance, who he just broke up with for Nurse Chapel, yikes, went more than three months without seeing each other. It's three months. Like if you're in Starfleet, that's like nothing. So I don't get like. It's like, so, so what, Spock? Like, you saw to praying like once a year and you guys were still together. It's not like she's not going to have a communicator when she's on Vulcan doing this fellowship. I don't know. Was it like one of those situations where it's just like, uh, only during the like parafon time do we get together and then it's like, we can just both do our own thing? Cause, like... No, they just were both working, which was part of, the, part of the drama, part of why they are currently broken up. I assume they're getting back together because they are together in the original series. So, but I think also still long. They break distance. up in that too. Uh, I'm gonna say because I don't 
think she's part of the crew <laughs> of like the no, original series. No, they're still long distance, and then she ends up leaving him. I think during his pon pon whatever ponfar ponfar, yeah. aka the originator of the fucker die trope it wasn't just fan fiction you guys it was straight from canon <laughs> oh my god that's amazing <laughs> yeah no uh yeah star trek as i don't know if we talked about in our next generation episode invented so many fan fiction tropes and fandom essentially modern fandom itself so of course shit like fuck or die which is for some reason in this series is you know it wasn't just some weirdos uh i mean it was weirdos writing for this show so. yeah which I love. Good for good, good for them and good for us, I guess. Yeah, totally. Uh, so yeah, that's rough for Spock. It's the the other thing about it though is that like obviously I love the math pun of it, but being like, oh my god, the X factor in my two failed relationships is me. Is like all of us <laughs> are the X factor in every single every breakup that's ever happened. The X factor is always. Y- you yeah. and also the other you like <laughs> come on spock you're good at math you're better <laughs> than this of course you're the x factor <laughs> like, you've been dumped twice it is it has been like in the last three months or something that he's been broken up with twice though so it's those uh pesky human feelings he just has to really get his like vulcan you know shove it into a box emotional bearings <laughs> yeah uh, I just have, uh, obviously there's a lot of characters. Okay, I I do want to ask what's up with um, number one. She said that she's just like, ha- she's just having her best musical time. But I also feel like, I don't know. She seems like this sort of like, I don't want to talk about my feelings ever. Yeah, she is an Illyrian, which is a people who culturally genetically modify themselves instead of terraforming planets and so they're not allowed in the federation because genetic modification is illegal because of the eugenics wars um so she lied on her starfleet application and then got got found out by like the crew of the enterprise no one turned her in and then she turned herself in so like the big end of season one is like her getting arrested but no one knew she had turned herself in and then like the beginning of this season is her basically being granted asylum and being allowed to like keep her job and not go to a Federation penal colony for 20 years because we can't escape carceral justice even in space. So she is like learning to connect with people in like her truth um, with people knowing like her entire self now. Okay. All right. Because I feel like there were some hints to that. I'm just like, oh, what's going on with you, girl? Yeah. So, well, good for her. I know. The episode where she gets granted asylum, like, literally, we hit the point in the, like, trial where her, like, lawyer turns everything around. I have watched it 25, 30, 35 times. I get full body chills every (laughs) single time. It is so good. Also, Jesse, you are going to fall in love with her lawyer. She is this, like like tailored like architectural skin tight dress suits like hard femme she's so mean and so good at her job and her dresses are so beautiful like you are gonna lose your mind uh my favorite kind of fictional character <laughs> love it okay anyway yes 
Uh, my last thing is just about um, the true winner of this episode, Uhura, who starts off being an like, old-timey switchboard operator, which I'm like, is a clear, obviously, wink to like sort of the joke about what Uhura did in the original series. But I'm also like, okay, but g- give Uhura a raise. That's some, that's some bullshit. <laughs> can't have a raise when you live in a no money socialist utopia but yes i guess that's fair but it's like y'all video calls but you still need a her to like patch those those things through well no only because they're the experiment that her and spock are doing is using up all of the energy normally that is not a her's job so uh i mean it didn't seem like it but i just i just thought that was deeply funny that they're like let's have our let's have our other nod and I'm just happy that uh, Ahura gets to both save the, the save the day, the entire quadrant, and Slade at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just uh, hard eyes, just so many hard eyes for Ahura. But yeah, I mean, she does not have any in show relationship entanglements, which seems unfortunate. Uh, I mean, not unfortunate, but like not that like every character needs a love interest. But, like, give her a love address. <laughs> well, I think, so, basically, Uhura lost her parents and brother, like, the day that she was supposed to start college, I think, and then joined Starfleet to, like, run away from things and was like, I'm not actually staying in Starfleet. And then her, like, mentor last season died after basically being like, stop running away from everyone. Let yourself make connections with people. So, like this season has her been like accepting a job as an ensign and like actually finding her space in the crew and like making meaningful friendships with people. So she has like, okay, good, deep friendships. She okay, good. Yeah. I think that the like, you know, I'm always alone thing is really like, I have been closing myself off from like fear of loss and learning how to like, not have to do that so much. Okay, good love that for her yeah her and um ortegas and chapel and spock hang out like all the time oh that's so great yeah uh man nothing nothing slaps like a star trek friendship i don't know why it's just there are so many people are just best buds i just uh it makes me so happy yeah it's great Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Uh, Star Trek is a clear fantasy where you have a cool job that doesn't exploit you, and you get to hang out with your friends. (laughs) I don't have time to do that. (laughs) I think the funniest thing about Star Trek is how frequently I'm like, where is the work-life balance? Like, you folks are working all the fucking time, people. I... Honestly, I'm like, every starship needs three captains. Like, you can't have one captain, because then that's one person working 24 hours a day. Not that there are 24 hours in a day in space, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, you need just, like, three distinct crews somehow, because people will just be, like, drinking with their friends, and all of a sudden it's like, come to the bridge. And I know you're drinking Synthahol. They actually might not be drinking Synthahol yet, but I think they have, like, something that makes you undrunk pretty rapidly. But still, like, no, bro, you're off. You're at a birthday party. Like, stop. Don't go Don't go to the bridge. <laughs> I feel like in my memory, I, this kind of stuff comes up a lot in 
Voyager because there is no Starfleet. They're just trapped in an unexplored quadrant that they are just by themselves. And yeah. the obvious strain of that on everyone I th- is a common thing that comes up in that yeah. show. Because it's just like they're completely isolated and they're... It's like... So it's going to take us like 100 years to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. So... Sorry, yeah. everyone. I feel like it comes up in Next Generation a lot, too. It's like every time an episode starts with Picard being like, I'm going to go to the holodeck. You're like, no, you're not. Something terrible is going to happen. <laughs> you never go. Don't don't even try to go to the holodeck, Picard. You can't have a fucking break. You're not allowed. <laughs> I'm like, this is why you need more captains. So that if something happens while Picard is playing ponies in the holodeck, someone else can deal with it and let him finish. <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. So my my actual my actual like main political point is that of course this is my first episode of seeing this show. So uh very pleasant surprise that it's sort of like owed to just how fucking badass her is. And I'm just like, yes, put some respect on her name for any of her uh previous in Carnations, which is part of why I sent you that drunk history link about how what a badass Nicole Nichols, who plays the original Ahura in the original series, is it Michelle? Michelle, mm. maybe that's just how it's spelled. Did I did I not copy and paste this correctly? Just write it in my notes. This is it's N I C H E L L E. So yep, yep. You know what? I yep. You're right. Anyway, Michelle Nichols, certified badass. <laughs> And I feel like besides, like, when I watched the Drunk History episode about her, I had, like, no idea it was like, oh, yeah, Martha King Jr. is like, you got to keep playing Ahura because this is the most progressive shit we're seeing on television in the 1960s. And it's just like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, that's wild. Uh, And her being like, Anessa being like, go recruit some, like, astronauts. And she's like, cool, Sally Ride, come fucking join NASA. Like, first, like... You know, black people in NASA, just fucking come join. I mean, not as we know from Hidden Figures, not the first black people in NASA, but sort of the first astronauts, higher ups in NASA. Which is why I like, I'm honestly like, her is like one of the most influential, like fictional characters of the past 124 years. Not just like in science fiction, where she's already a huge deal as like one of the most visible black women in science fiction were in like there was barely again black people in like regular fiction who weren't like servants right <laughs> and obviously it's 2024 there are more black ladies in science fiction not very many because racism but just like seeing this and having like she has like the best like her has the best songs and it's like she clearly saves the day i'm just this is what i want to see <laughs> and yeah, and then the, oh my god, the actor, like, just killing all of the songs. I'm just like, this is incredible. This is mine. Like, I'm like, I need everyone to watch this because this is incredible. But also, it's just, I don't know, just an excellent homage to a character that was, like, actually, like, transgressive and groundbreaking when original Star Trek was coming out. And is still, I think, not a character that gets a ton of flowers in the Star Trek fandom still because i mean racism and misogyny and i just it's very deeply important to me and i just i just had a lot of feelings today watching this episode of uh strange new strange new worlds and i'm just i'm glad i'm just it just made me very happy 
And folks, we will link to the drug history in the show notes because uh, it is incredibly uh, informative and deeply funny. <laughs> yeah, both. So good. Yeah, yeah. First first interracial kiss on television between O'Hara and Kirk, which... Yeah, this fandom is like free, like legal, like desegregation of America in case everyone doesn't. Uh, it's easy to think about like when Martin Luther King Jr. was like out with, uh, you know, uh, boycotting about segregation. It's easy to think that like, wow, that was a really long time ago. Star Trek was on. <laughs> like this shit was groundbreaking. <laughs> like it's not that long ago. And I guess also why I think that a lot of the sort of inherent messages of Star Trek is like so important. Cause I mean, it is a very, uh, a lot of the shows, it's like a very, you know, humanitarian, like, you know, being together, like working together as like a unified front is a net good, a net positive. The best thing we could be doing as a species after doing a lot of fucked up shit as a species, because Star Trek is post- the kind of bullshit we're living through right now, essentially. Um, yeah. But still, obviously, as anyone who's seen Deep Space Nine, like Voyager, I mean, even like here with this like sort of continued conflict with like the Klingons, like not a perfect utopia of like, it's all peace and love, but uh, acknowledgement of a, like this sort of fucked up history to be like, we have to be better than that is, oh my God, something we need right now so badly. So badly. <laughs> oh my God. Everything is so fucking terrible, but it's like... I think this is the kind of shit that like Afrofuturism really hits home where it's like, we have to, we have to envision a better future for ourselves. One of my favorite art pieces, I think honestly ever is this artist out of Pittsburgh. I'm totally blanking on her name where it's like her art piece where she had billboards up that just said there are black people in the future, which I'm probably gonna get tattooed on my body at some point. And just like the importance of having to envision that humanity envision a universe where like humanity is better than where we're at now, you know? Anyway, that was a very long rant. I have a lot of feelings about this apparently. No, it's good. So yeah, I don't know. It's like this and like Doctor Who. It's like things are shitty, but there's like going through with like empathy and like love and like community is like kind of the only way through everyone. Yep. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. I forgot we haven't done editorials yet. (laughs) Do you want to go first? Yeah, all right. So I want to talk about musicals, like, as a thing. Yeah. Because, and person who sent us this, who I know is listening right now, please don't be offended that I'm, like, calling you out. I'm just going to call you out, though. Um, Because one person, when I was like, should we talk about this on Instagram was like, I hate musicals, but I want you to talk about Star Trek. And I was like, have you considered liking musicals? And they were like, I've tried like this episode is so cringy, like musicals are just not my thing, whatever. And it just like made me start thinking maybe for the first time ever about the fact that I think it's really silly that musical is a genre, because I would argue that this episode, Moulin Rouge and Jesus Christ Superstar have as much to do with each other as like Alien, uh, I don't know, like Titanic. Yeah, and some like historic, like right. 300. Por- Portrait of a Lady right? on Fire or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Like the, these are the, 
it doesn't make sense to be like these are one genre of thing because they all have singing in them like that's not that's not how genres work and so to be like i don't like musicals is to be like i don't like it when things have a song in them and i think that's silly and we should stop doing that (laughs) because right there's so many genres like there's there's rock operas there's sort of like right disney style musicals which we all if you're like if you grew up like if you've grown up in the past 80 years you have seen disney musicals you know and probably have feelings about that uh i mean there's if you say want a goth musical listen to repo the genetic opera starring buffy alum anthony stewart head i mean if you want to feel of i mean like hamilton was the whole thing because it's like rap and like historical like reimagining and like that's great perfect but i'm just like exactly there's so many different kinds of musicals where i'm like i think there's probably something out there for everyone exactly agreed yeah i think i think yeah it doesn't i think it bears examining i because i think there is something very uh you know people can like make a sort of identity out of like i don't like musicals right it's like i don't like whimsy i'm like that is not a super fun identity to have you could like i don't know i feel like um you know the moment in this when they're they're doing their big finale and laon and pelia are like and spock are all singing together and they're like the danger's not over yet. When we gain control again, I confess I'll miss the singing. But Spock like waits and is like, won't miss singing. And I'm like, <laughs> don't be Spock. I love Spock, but like he's having the least fun of everyone here. And that's a choice. Like <laughs> Spock doesn't have to be like, oh, I hate the singing. It's like, just chill out and enjoy the singing, you know? Um, so if you, listener, think you don't like musicals, consider don't be Spock and try again. There's lots of different kinds. You'll probably find one that you like if you stop thinking about musical as a genre and just find a genre that you enjoy and find a musical that fits in that genre. Right. There's something out there, I think, for everyone regarding yeah. a musical. Right. Because, like, I mean, and obviously I'm someone who'll be like, I love musicals, but that doesn't mean that I love everything that's a musical. It just means that I like it when a thing that I like is a musical. Like, it's absolutely not the case that if you're like, this is a thing, it's a musical that I'll be like, I will enjoy that, you know? Yeah. And I, and sometimes I will admit if I, I hear like something where it's like, oh, there's a like Beetlejuice the musical. I'm like, but why? (laughs) But also maybe it's cool. But like, you know, uh, I'm like, maybe the like Legally Brown musical is really cool. Like, I don't know. You know? I think that being suspicious of adaptations whether or not the adaptation is like to a musical or to a TV show or whatever, like that's, it's good to be suspicious of adaptations. They're often disappointing. Yeah. So like, unless it's fun home, which actually is a very, is a shockingly good musical. Right. And I'm not saying they're always bad, but I think that you're, you're like why Beetlejuice the musical might not be like why a musical so much as why a Beetlejuice adaptation, you know, yeah, this is true. Leave well enough alone could be the moral of that story. But yeah. sometimes it's good. All right, we need to move on. Okay. <laughs> talking for so long. <laughs> uh, I do have to say that it comes up in this episode that like, hey, it's a huge security risk if everyone is just going to burst out into song and talk about their secrets. And I'm like, yeah, if you're like undercover or like had like a high enough security clearance where you had whatever 
I don't know what secrets you would have in a higher up if you're in like Federation, but I'm like, yeah, that would suck. <laughs> that could be not just a like, oh no, my crush knows my feelings for them. It's like, ooh, I actually wasn't supposed to tell anyone I was undercover here. Whoops. Yeah, totally. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so <laughs> this scene where Laan finally does tell Kirk a very like redacted version of what's going on with her he he gets like like kissing distance from her face and is like am I anything like the other me and you're like whoa and then he's like lol just kidding I have a pregnant girlfriend and you're like what the fuck throw this man away the part where he's like I actually think you'd really like Carol I was like Mr. Kirk I mean like he is a he is a fuckboy of the like highest order, and I think he just this this is just the, yeah. I was just like, can you oh. imagine anything worse than like confessing a crush and then being like, I think you'd really like my girlfriend. You're like, no, I hate your girlfriend. Like it does. She could be my soulmate. I hate her right now. Why would you say that? That's yeah. like the worst it, thing you could say. Like the most unnecessary knife twisting into her heart. I'm just like. Have you You're never... actually a lot like her, actually. You're a lot like my girlfriend that I have, that I am not going to kiss you because I have this girlfriend. Fuck you. Why are you so close to her face? I hate... <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just like shaking my head because I'm just like, oh, that was such a sh- such a shitty moment. And it's just like... After spending all day like aggressively flirting with her because he can tell that she's really flustered around him and he's just like hey, we like work so well together. We're such a good team. We should team up. And he's like, LOL. I'm about to be a dad. Straight. Straight to the airlock. Just straight. Just straight there. Just. Sorry about continuity. I threw Kirk into an air- into the airlock. <laughs> We just printed a new one out of the pattern buffer. <laughs> but just um, say, you gotta go to a different universe and find a new one, because I've shoved that one into, into deep space. <laughs> um, I do particularly love that that scene ends when he's like, Carol is pregnant. Laana's like, oh, wow. And it really, really feels like she's going to be like, I'm so sorry, which is how I always want to react when someone says that they're <laughs> I feel like in her brain, she was trying really hard not to say. She was like, "I'm not going to say something like that out loud." I am very practiced at not saying my feelings, but yeah. at this moment, it is just by the single, like titanium strand of my self control that I don't say something like that to you. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. What a dick. <laughs> I know. I know. Anyway, we should move on. Uh, I don't have anything else here because we've talked about everything else. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Same. Me too. Oh, no. Sorry. The outfits that the Klingons are wearing. Oh, my God. Are so beautiful. <laughs> they're so... They're so good. <laughs> they're, Just... They are ready for the club. Listeners, if you didn't watch it, they're wearing these like beautiful like gold vests the lead one has a gold matching gold eye patch they look incredible they are ready to be in a music video yeah or the like end scene of like rocky horror (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
or both, honestly, to be perfectly real. Yeah. <sighs> Welcome to the personal section where we talk about sexy stuff. Uh, I only have a couple of things. First off, everyone this crew is an incredible hottie. I'm like, wow, look at all of these deeply attractive people. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. Um, we have this. So there's this sort of dynamic where like, I think it's very clear just from this one episode that like Ortegas is in love with Chapel and like Chapel is dating Spock. And... It's really rough at the beginning here when, like, Chapel gets the news that she's been accepted to this fellowship. And uh, the doctor's like, what am I going to do without you for three months? And Ortegas is like, you're not the only one who's going to miss her. And, like, Chapel hears that and is like, oh, fuck, I have to talk to Spock. And I'm like, that's not what she meant. (laughs) That just feels so terrible. (laughs) Ortegas is like, no, I I meant me shithead you know it's uh it's uh hard work having so much of uh your ship just deeply in love with you apparently <laughs> yeah fair and she's like i'm out everyone <laughs> like, <laughs> my other thing which is maybe this is just the vibe that i got from this episode but there's a scene in the beginning where Lon comes in to like engineering not engineering Whenever the room is car, where they do the tra- where they do the transporting people onto the ship, and number one is just like, oh, I see you have an energy today. It's like, and I'm like, are you flirting with her? Because <laughs> it definitely comes <laughs> off like you're flirting with her, and I'm like here for this, but also what is happening? I don't think so. I sometimes it feels that way, but like Una is Lon's like mentor, so I think it would end up being kind of weird if they were fair. Though there have been times when I've been kind of, like, rooting for it, but I don't think it's going to go there. Um, okay, so my only other thing here is also about La'an, though, because, so we get some flashbacky type stuff, right, in her song. It's very important to note, only the kiss, like, the outside kiss, is an actual flashback. Everything else, all of the rolling around in bed stuff, this is just the the show being like, so this is what Lon's been jerking off to ever since she time traveled. And I'm like, all right. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Cause it's that's that that didn't happen. They okay. kissed one time outside in the cold with winter coats on. Okay. All right. Wow. I guess, you know, good for her for her rich fantasy life. Yeah. Rich rich fantasy life. Yeah. Welcome to the health and science section where we talk about science and research that we did. Probably not magic because it's sci-fi. So, uh the improbability field that this musical is taking place of is a shout out to the the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series because there's an improbability film that like does random shit and it's like one of the plots of one of the books. My second thing (laughs) is alt-reality where everyone sings their feelings slash communicates. This is what the crew has sort of been sucked into. So in that universe, wherever that would be, uh, that universe's version of a musical is just a spoken play oh my god you're so right (laughs) 
Uh, I'll just see myself out now after that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That was, that was all I have. Cool. Yeah, I don't have anything here. So I will say thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Um, please join us on Patreon and other stuff. Check the show notes for everything. And until next time. Most unusual. So peculiar.